Hello and welcome to another episode of the SARS Group Podcast. I am JC. And I'm Barbara. And today we are talking about you might have SIRS if these are symptoms commonly associated with SIRS. They're not necessarily part of the 37 symptoms that are officially used to diagnose SIRS, but they're kind of like hallmark SIRS symptoms that we see very commonly in people who are ultimately diagnosed with SIRS. And I do want to have this disclaimer that this episode is born out of many many conversations that we have with people who complain about all these random things that happen to them on a daily basis. And the whole time, JC and I are silently staring at them, listening, thinking, you have SIRS. Every time. I mean, if you have a private conversation with either of us and you're complaining about some illness that, oh, it's just genetic and, oh, it's just like how I've always been we're probably thinking you should check into SIRS if we're not saying it out loud. Yeah, I find that, you know, even recently I was in a situation with some people, uh, I met new people, which is notable for, for me. <laughs> this is a rare, rare occurrence for JC, uh, meeting new people. But no, we're very glad for that. Go ahead. <laughs> but I think that anytime someone finds something that works for them, they get really passionate about it. And then they're like, oh man, this is the thing for everyone. And so I am aware of that bias when we're talking about like, oh, everyone has SIRS. And I don't think that literally everyone has SIRS. But if 25% of the population have the genetics for it. And we have a lot of bias in the people that we meet because we are involved in health and wellness communities. So it's like there's a natural bias there for people who are unwell to join those communities. Um, so it does seem like a lot of these things we see over and over again really indicate that it's worth looking into SIRS, if nothing else, especially if your doctor says uh, it's, what do they call it? Like an incurable illness, something yeah. like that. It's epidemiologic. No. Oh, I uh, idio idiopathic. Idiopathic. Oh my gosh! If it's idiopathic, then it's like why not look into SIRS? If someone tells you something is incurable and we're handing you this thing on a golden platter, going, but maybe like look into it. What's the harm? And you can do the symptom clusters, the VCS test, zero dollars down, and then get the blood work to confirm a diagnosis. So it's a really low barrier to entry, um, but we should talk about some of these symptoms that we commonly see. Yeah. And just uh, for those of you listening, uh, there will be links to the symptom clusters, the VCS test, and the blood work to be tested in the show notes. So I'll make sure to include that for y'all. Um, but yeah, some some um, hallmark symptoms that are unexplainable. If you have frequent headaches or even migraines, if and you've just chalked that up to like, no, it's genetic, you know, my parents had them too, or whatever, which I've heard a lot. I don't know, man, there's got to be a reason that your body is like throwing you into that level of pain and where you are incapacitated and like bedridden and you can't look at light because your head hurts so much. So you're that light sensitive. I mean, I I would look at SIRS because that sucks and you don't want to continue living that way. Um, so yeah, you yeah, know that's... what else is genetic? SIRS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When someone says, oh, this this like weird symptom runs in my family. Huh. So do genetic haplotypes that predispose you for being unable to eliminate biotoxins from your system. <laughs> I don't say all of that or else I would be crazy. We you only got so many weird points you have to spend them wisely. But uh yeah, that's that's a thing. 
I would say the weirdest stir symptom I had was static shock. I would be walking in the grocery store with my family and they would all be fine, but I would be getting shocked by the cart. If I touched food on the shelf, I would get shocked. It was one of the weirdest things. And I think people just think, oh, this is a weird thing that I experienced, but it's actually a symptom of SIRS because of the electrolyte imbalances that you have from the chronic inflammation. So another associated one would be frequent urination or frequent thirst or excessive thirst. If you're waking up to pee in the middle of the night, that might not be old age. That might be SIRS. Uh, Frequent urination in general, uh, inability to hold it, uh, you know, like just it, urgent, that urgency level of peeing and just constant. Um, I know that's like a thing that happens to really pregnant women, but uh, if it happens to you when you're not really pregnant, I think that serves as something you should look into. Another one that I experienced was plantar fasciitis. So this is when the um, sole of your foot becomes inflamed and every step is excruciating. Typically it's worse in the morning. And then if you've been seated or uh, laying still for a period of time, and then you walk again, it'll be like the most level of pain. And then as you walk, it kind of, um, the, the pain level lowers over time, but plantar fasciitis is, uh, fascinating to me in terms of SIRS because it is just inflammation. And that's what SIRS is, is chronic inflammation. But if you talk to specialists about plantar fasciitis, they can't give you an idea of where it comes from. They're just like, oh, it could be like an impact injury or an overuse injury. And I know people who have had plantar fasciitis who have been super athletic. And I know people who've had plantar fasciitis who have been like couch potatoes. So I'm not sure how they rationalize that for themselves. Maybe they just haven't heard of SIRS and known that there's an alternative, but that is another hallmark SIRS symptom. Yeah. And I would, uh, I weirdly never experienced plantar fasciitis until very recently, like after starting SIRS treatment. And I actually think it was tied to carb eating, which is something I've heard carnivores mention too. Oh, I went carnivore and my plantar fasciitis went away. Mm, Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Um, but I think that there, you may be masking again, that's going back to carnivore is sometimes a bandaid in certain situations. Um, but if you, if you ever go off of carnivore and a symptom like that, uh, reignites, I don't know why I use that word. Um, it's fun. And, and you might want to look into, uh, SIRS generally, if you have to stick to a very restricted way of eating to control your symptoms, in general, um, I think that SIRS is something that you should look at as an underlying cause because really what we want to get to, I what I want to get to, I'll speak for myself, is to be able to eat what I want on occasion that's outside of a very strict meat-based whole foods diet. Occasionally, I want to have a slice of cake or a donut. I talk about that a lot. Every now and then, a slice of pizza. But, um, but if you do try one of those things and your symptoms just flare up like crazy. Yeah. That probably means you have some underlying issue like SIRS and you should look into it for sure. hundred percent. Another one that I had was OCD. And then when I was in the worst of my SIRS, I had uh, depression. I actually had suicidal ideation, but the whole thing with that is with SIRS, you are chronically inflamed. You have a lot of neuroinflammation. We recently did an episode with Christian from SIRS lab about the neuroquant. We talked a lot about that, 
But with that comes a lot of uh, mental illness symptoms. So if you are experiencing that, maybe it's not a trendy, cool thing where we all have these mental disorders. Maybe it's SIRS. Yes, please look into SIRS for all of that stuff. Um, Yeah, and then unexplained hair loss. I know for some carnivores, this can also come from under eating. We see that a lot as well. But um, if you just are experiencing hair loss randomly, I know that it can also be a sign of long COVID, which P.S. COVID is probably a biotoxin now at this point. Uh, and is causing a lot of SIRS-like symptoms. Um, so if you're experiencing any kind of version of long COVID, you should also look at SIRS, unfortunately, or fortunately. I mean, there's a treatment plan, so I think that's probably pretty lucky. Um, but yeah, and then also um, muscle cramps. I know this happens a lot in the keto and carnivore community because we're not eating carbs, so we're not holding on to electrolytes and all that other fun stuff as much. And uh, we end up with muscle cramps more often. So that's something to, uh, pay attention to, especially if they're disruptive to your life. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, the muscle cramp one is really interesting in the context of the electrolyte imbalance that you experience with SIRS, but also it's so normalized, right? Like it's common but it's not normal. You shouldn't be woken up by extreme muscle cramping in the middle of the night. None of these things, they might be common things that people experience, but they're not normal things that we should be experiencing. So to continue on with our list, another one is night sweats. You might wake up in the middle of the night, just sweating. Um, Dizziness. This is another one that I experienced. Um, Some people might be diagnosed with something like POTS where it's, uh, you stand up and you, your heart starts racing and you like could literally pass out or it could be more of like a vertigo type thing where you stand up and the world starts spinning and it that has to do with inflammation in your inner ear. There's a lot of different ways people can experience dizziness, but you should be able to stand up without getting dizzy. Yeah. Yeah, but require more of your body, people. <laughs> you don't don't tolerate that kind of crap. <laughs> There's something wrong. It's your body's telling you it needs some help. Uh, and that's that's what you gotta pay attention to. Um, my favorite thing that I really yeah, I would say this is one of my favorite things that SIRS treatment, uh, the shoemaker protocol specifically, has helped helped me rid myself of is forgetting why I walked into a room. Oh man, the number of times I wa- I get up to go do something and then I stand there and I look around. Sometimes I'll retrace my steps to try to remember why the crap did I walk into the bedroom and to eventually remember, oh, I was trying to get my phone or something else that was dumb. But um but yeah, that's if that happens to you a lot or struggling to read just like rereading the same paragraph over and over again, because you keep realizing at the end of the paragraph that you weren't paying attention or you weren't processing what you were reading properly. <sighs> Sirs. Sirs. Uh, yeah, I have to say, but I've always been a prolific reader. Like I love reading books. It used to be pre-Sirs. It was very much like one of my favorite downtime activities. And then once I had Sirs, it was like, that's the thing with SIRS, right? There's all this academic literature, but it's impossible to read because your brain isn't working correctly. And so now to be in a place where a lot of the neuroinflammation for me has calmed down and to be able to read just as a hobby again has been amazing. 
Yeah. One of my favorite moments after going through treatment or really during treatment, uh, I started and finished the entire Harry Potter series in a couple months. Now, granted, I know some of you may have been like, I finished it in a week. Um, I did have a job and like all other things, but I fin- I read it relatively quickly, I would say. And I love that series. And that was fun to do as an adult. Um, but yes, I would not have been able to do that before treatment for sure. I feel like you flew through that series. Oh, so. okay, good. Well, then yeah. I feel better. Another one we see a lot is histamine reactions or mast cell activation syndrome. Either one of those two is kind of the same thing. You're just having an inappropriate histamine response to things. Um, When I was really bad with SIRS, I stopped tolerating beef. The entire side of my face would go numb anytime I tried to eat it. And, you know, in the carnivore community, we're told like, oh, you're not well yet. You just need to carnivore harder or you need to try these more extreme approaches to carnivore, like only eating beef. And that was actually what made me develop these histamine reactions to beef. And so I feel like if you feel like you need to carnivore harder or anyone is telling you to carnivore harder and you've been carnivore for like six to nine months and you're really not seeing the improvements you expected with it, maybe look into SIRS. Yeah, that's that's that was my experience because I had specifically started carnivore to heal my GI issues. And I gave it six months and started to think, hmm, most people have healed by now. What's wrong with me? Oh, I have to carnivore harder. You know, did exactly what you did, JC. Went beef only, the whole deal, cut dairy, et cetera. Um, Then gave it another six months before I was like, okay, no, this is dumb at this point. And that's about when I discovered SIRS. So yeah, that's something to look at for sure. And this next one, you know, we've done... uh episode about men's health and SIRS, but we haven't done one about women's health and SIRS. And I think that's something we should add to the list of episodes we're going to do because um, recurrent pregnancy loss is something we've seen in a couple members of our group. Um, Just your body is so inflamed. It's not an appropriate place for a baby to be formed and created and to grow and to thrive. And so a lot of people will find that with SIRS, they'll have recurrent pregnancy loss. And just to kind of add to that before we do the women's health episode, like inconsistent periods, um, extreme PMS symptoms, uh, what is it called when, uh, oh my gosh, the PCOS. Mm. PCOS. I'll also add um, severe menopause symptoms. Like if you're, if you're just, if you're going through a lot of those issues as far as just really extreme symptoms of hot flashes and and fatigue and all that fun stuff um i know that's that's going past the pregnancy part but into menopause but but all of those things uh i would look into sirs as a possible underlying cause because i you know you should your body should be able to handle those very natural changes and processes um I, I'll say specifically for me too, I had a copper IUD as my form of birth control for several years and um, periods were very painful and heavy and all the other fun stuff that they warn you about when you start that kind of birth control. Well, I had that removed because potential for you know biotoxins um, and uh, everything is so much better now. And also hand in hand with going through surge treatment, mind you. So um, yeah, my periods are a lot less painful, a lot easier to deal with all of that. So I've definitely seen an improvement through the surge treatment and also again, removing possible environmental issues like an IUD uh, out of my system. 
The last one I'll say is endometriosis and kind of to tag along with that is any autoimmune condition. We know that SIRS puts pressure on your transcriptome, which is basically how your genes manifest in your body. It's how they express themselves. And what that can do is it can errantly turn on genes. And some of those can be like autoimmune genes. For me, that manifested as ankylosing excuse me, ankylosing spondylitis. Um, it's a type of spondylarthropathy or a type of arthritis, basically. So I had severe joint pain and enthesis or enthesitis, which is inflammation of tendons uh, and ligaments. But any autoimmune, Crohn's, uh, Hashimoto's, there's ulcerative colitis, lupus, um, all of them. Psoriasis, <laughs> like just pick an autoimmune condition. It could be turned on by SIRS. The cool thing is with SIRS treatment, you can turn those errant genes off. So a lot of people find that whatever autoimmune condition they're experiencing before they do the SIRS treatment is no longer manifesting after they do the SIRS treatment. And I can say that's true for myself. Yeah. Oh, celiac. That's another one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. If you have a, a condition that there is no cure for, look into SIRS as a possible root cause. Um, even if you can't fully cure that some of the symptoms or, or that you still have something, maybe, maybe those autoimmune illnesses have caused some long-term damage. I know, you know, if you let time pass, that's always a possibility. At least you can stop the damage at the, at the base and stop doing more damage to your body by, uh, by going for SIRS. And in general, of course, talk to a SIRS practitioner, but I think for the, for most people, you want to eliminate the SIRS or, or what I, by eliminate, I mean, remove the biotoxins out of your system and repair your body, um, from all of the damage your immune system has caused it. And then you can, start to treat these other illnesses after the fact, if you need to, and by illnesses, I guess I mean uh, the damage done by them. Uh, so that's usually the order that you need to go in is to attack SIRS first and then see where you're at at the end of that and then start attacking any other um, things that are still happening or need to be repaired. Absolutely. Um, so Barbara wrote us an outline for this episode just so we could keep on track. And the last line, is it aging or is it just biotoxins? But I'm reading it like the Maybelline tagline. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's biotoxins. <laughs> right. That would be so much. That's a way better way of uh, putting that line. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people chalk a lot of stuff up to aging or they chalk it up to, oh, I've had kids or I've had, you know, like all these different things that happen in life. Um, oh, I just have a stressful job. That's just how it is. Like, okay. But also, sirs. And also, you know, there are steps you can take to remove yourself from exposure. Like I mentioned, um, you know, controlling for your environment, making sure that you're not in a bad environment that's just making everything worse that is the what first one of the first steps of uh, the shoemaker protocol is to uh, take care of that um i've seen people who aren't even doing the shoemaker protocol yet but they'll like go on vacation somewhere and that that other place is probably cleaner than the house that is probably all moldy and they just talk about, wow, I feel so much better. This vacation is like so great. Yeah, I'm sure the vacation away from the stress of your life is great, but also your environment. 
Um, I don't really know why I went on that tangent, but I, I feel like that's uh, an important point as well. Oh, oh, absolutely. Someone needed to hear that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, we're we're talking about these symptoms and it we're empathetic to people. We promise. We just deal with this a lot where people are telling us they're struggling with something and we're trying to hand them this golden ticket. Like, here is SIRS. It is treatable. It is manageable. You don't have to live this way. And they're like, oh, no, it's just genetic. And it's, it's like I'm being stabbed in the heart. It hurts so much. So the point being, this is a hope for healing. This is a hope for healing and you can take it and you can look into it. And like I said, very low barrier to entry for looking into it. And then if you do have it, take it one step at a time. I think the blessing and the curse of the SERS protocol is that it's such a long time frame. It's 12 to 18 months, but it does make it very easily paced. You're not it's it's consistency, it's not intensity. And so it's really easy to do long term. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy, well, relatively easy to incorporate into your regular routine. And uh and and then also you, you know, for most people, you will feel a really noticeable difference just taking the binders, which is one of the earlier steps of the protocol. And I think that's such a motivating factor when you start the protocol and you start to feel better. Um, it's such a difference that it's it it helps you really buy into the entire protocol and and gives you the the inspiration and motivation you might need to stick with it long term. Um, so I think that's that's something to look forward to. Uh, but one one last point um, that I because I see this a lot too. If you are biohacking your way to wellness. If you like have to do cold plunges and all kinds of other stuff just to feel good. Um, and also if you have a closet full of supplements, I feel like that's not normal. I've seen a lot of people who are dealing with chronic illness. They always have a supplement they can recommend to people. Um, and the problem, the only problem with that is one, you have to take it forever, probably. Um, they're not curing anything. They're just managing stuff at that point. Uh, and two, I, I don't know that they've necessarily figured out or gotten to the bottom of it. You know, if you're just if you have to do something like a cold plunge, which sounds awful, by the way, uh, just to feel OK. Uh, I don't know. Um, I would rather uh, do that for fun if you find that fun instead of a need. Yeah, we were just talking about my coffee addiction and I said, I, I want to drink coffee because I want to drink coffee. I don't want to drink coffee because I have to drink coffee. And that's that's really what biohacking should be. You should do biohacking because you want to do biohacking, not because you have to do biohacking to feel normal. That said, when you're going through the search protocol, we really recommend you find your, you know, your little mix of biohacks that make you feel your best as you go through treatment, it just makes everything easier and more pleasant. So if you are looking for more resources and support, if you want ideas of what other people in going through SIRS treatment are doing for those kinds of biohacks, you can join us over at thesirsgroup.com. Yep. Sounds good. See you there. See you there.